Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. We wanted to make sure we did this in person. We didn't, want to, we didn't trust the postal system with this. We want to make sure our vote is definitely in there. This election year is very different than, the, you know, the, in, in the past. Uh, I'm very, like, motivated. I just wanted to make sure it got here in time. So as soon as I got it, fill it out, bring it down. Don't procrastinate. Vote early. Voters across America on how the coronavirus has affected the way they cast their ballots. We are just days away from the election, and as both candidates crisscross the country making their final pitches, coronavirus cases continue to surge, leaving no doubt that the virus has changed how this election will play out. Hello, everyone. I'm CNN senior political reporter Nia Malika Henderson. And I'm CNN political director David Chalian. Welcome to Politically Sound. In what's being called the coronavirus election, some delayed results are inevitable due to a massive quantity of mailed ballots, a process the president is deliberately attempting to undermine. And we'll see what happens at the end of the day. Hopefully it won't go longer than that. Hopefully the few states remaining that want to take a lot of time after November 3rd to count ballots that won't be allowed by the various courts. Historically inaccurate and dangerous statement conditioning Americans to expect something they simply may not see on November 3rd. So in this episode, we'll tell you what to expect on election night and in the days to come from the states that might flip as the votes trickle in to the states more likely to get results out faster. We obviously aren't going to predict who's going to win, but rather give you the information you need to process these results and walk you through what to watch out for as the night and the days after unfold. We'll also hear from Kristen Holmes, the host of CNN's Election 101 podcast, who covers all things voting for us. She'll walk you through the life of a ballot in just one location, Erie County in the key state of Pennsylvania. So it's time to tune out the noise and tune in to what's politically sound. So, David, I can't think of any other human better than you to explain this to our listeners. You're going to be on CNN uh, walking them through all of this on election night. But can you just tell our listeners what the biggest thing that people need to be aware of as they're watching as results come in on election night? I think the single biggest thing, Nia, is this just may take a little longer than you're used to. I mean, I think that's the overarching message to listeners is that you are used to and conditioned watching election night and the returns come in and the tallies come up and a projection is made and you can cross that state off your list and you're on to the next one as you're building the paths to 270. It just may take longer this time because of the pandemic, because people are casting their ballots in dramatically different fashion than they have through the mail. 
And if you are a state that hasn't really done much of this before and now more than half the vote in the state is going to be this way by mail, it's going to take time. So that, I think, the patience is the most important thing to listeners uh, that they should bring with them when they're watching on election night. I mean, you've watched the numbers every day with me as well, Lee. I mean, we have hit more than 75 million Americans who have already voted in this election, okay? That's about 56% of the total votes cast in 2016. By the time you listen to this podcast, those numbers will be higher from what I just said when we're recording it. I mean, we are seeing a turnout, and we're not even at election day yet, at sort of record levels. So add in what will happen on Tuesday when people actually show up in the polls, and this could be a record-breaking turnout election. Because some states, even some counties, may be counting their election day vote right away on election night and then turn their attention to counting the mail vote, it may be that we see, when the votes come in, an almost distorted version of the state of play. So obviously, Nia, because we know that Democrats and Biden supporters are more likely to vote early and Trump supporters and Republicans are more likely to vote on Election Day, when you watch the returns, it's important to know at any given moment in any state how much of that vote is actually pre-election vote, how much of that vote is Election Day vote, because we know they're politically distinct electorates. And so I think it's really important as people watch election night unfold. They may see some states that they're expecting might go red will look blue initially, and some states they expect to go blue might look red initially. And it may be because we are waiting for a chunk of the absentee vote to get reported in or a chunk of the election day vote to get reported in. And I think that's something we're just going to be constantly and consistently clear about. Sort of, here's the vote board. This is the current state of the race. But what's behind those numbers? What's inside of that vote? I think that's really important. That's the bigger picture. But what are some of the states we think we'll be able to get a sense of earlier on in the process and what they can tell listeners about how the election is going? So two big states we want to look for on election night, and these are two states in the Sun Belt. They have a history of counting mail-in ballots. Some of the counting is going on already in Florida and in Arizona. Florida, of course, with 29 electoral votes. Arizona with 11 electoral votes. Florida is a must-must win in many ways for Donald Trump. We'll probably see uh, the returns pretty early in comparison to other states that are in, you know crucial to this, like those Midwestern states. The the same with Arizona. They're key battleground states. We see so far in the polls, Florida is basically a neck and neck race. It seems like uh, Joe Biden has an edge, a bit of an edge in Arizona. And so we will see. Look for what happens uh, in those states because that will give us a key as to whether or not Donald Trump can piece together enough electoral votes uh, to win the presidency again and serve a second term. Florida, of course, 29 electoral votes votes, uh, as I said, and if he is blocked there, his path, Donald Trump's path to 270 gets harder and harder and harder as this thing goes along. So those are the two states uh, I think I'll be watching for, and I think listeners should be as well as they take in the election night returns. So David, we talked about the Sunbelt states, Florida and Arizona. What about the other states, these battleground states, particularly in the Midwest, who don't necessarily have this same history 
of counting mail-in ballots as Florida does and as Arizona does as well. Yeah, don't think I didn't notice, Nia, that you took the states that actually know how to count votes on election night and you're leaving me to states that don't have a history of that because I do think, thank God, Florida knows how to count votes and get it out uh, big quantities. Surprisingly, I know, you think of Florida elections always to be a debacle, but, but I mean, they're close. It's a closely divided state. That's really the story of Florida. But but in terms of being able to count votes, they can do that. And they have a history of large absentee. So I do think it will be one of our early clues because of exactly what you said. It, it's just so critical to the path of 270. But so, too, is that Great Lakes region. I mean, if Donald Trump can't recreate some of the success that he had in Pennsylvania, Michigan and Wisconsin, even with Florida, it is very hard to get him to 270. And that's the region we're likely to have the biggest delays with because it has not been part of their sort of political history to have great quantities of absentee voting or voting by mail. And so these elections officials, it's just, it is brand new to them about how to deal with this quantity of mail, get it all processed. In Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, I don't believe they can even start processing those ballots until election day itself. I think in Michigan, they can start the day before. So again, unlike Florida, Nia, where they have for weeks now been sorting and processing and not necessarily tabulating, but getting ready for that, that is not the case in these Great Lakes states. And so this is why you heard the president continue to sort of throw shade at this notion that, oh, votes that are going to get counted after Election Day, somehow they're less worthy to be counted. I mean, it's just nuts. I mean, the rules are the rules. If you get the ballot in by Election Day, if it's postmarked by Election Day, in some of these states, it allows time for that to actually be received and counted after Election Day. It doesn't make the vote any less legitimate. So, of course, he's throwing shade at that because he knows it's exactly in that region where he needs to create some success again, that that is going to take place, where it is going to be delayed. And so, again, I think folks are just going to have to pack their patience here. I I think Pennsylvania is probably the one state I circle the most on the map right now of most consequential married up with perhaps the biggest delay. Yeah, and that's why you heard from some of the voters saying they wanted to go in person or they wanted to drop their ballot off and not chance it to the mail because of some of the things that we've heard from this president, unfortunately, throwing shade, as you said, on that mail-in balloting process. Next, we're going to look closer at the key state of Pennsylvania, the very state we were just talking about, and follow the path the ballot takes once it's cast. Stay with us. Here at Politically Sound, we're working hard to bring you the context you need to understand each week in politics. And we want to know what you think. Please go to cnn.com slash pod survey to share your thoughts on what you're hearing. That's cnn.com slash pod survey. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number Smart Beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number Smart Beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. 
Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Kristen Holmes, the host of CNN's Election 101 podcast and a Washington-based correspondent who covers all things voting, is here to help explain to you what happens to a ballot after it's cast. Kristen, before we dive into that, I want to get into some of these developments we're seeing this week from the Supreme Court and how that might affect people's ballots. Yeah, that's right, Nia. And two big cases this week that could affect thousands of people's ballots. Decisions made by the Supreme Court in two critical swing states, North Carolina and Pennsylvania. And they both had to do with extensions to counting absentee ballots. So let's start with North Carolina because it's pretty cut and dry. Essentially, the court decided not to block an extension that was put in place by the State Board of Elections to allow officials in North Carolina to count absentee ballots for nine days after the election, as long as they were postmarked on or before the election day. A big win for Democrats. No real caveats here. This had been back and forth in the courts. Now, Pennsylvania is a bit of a different story because there are quite a few eyebrow-raising asterisks on this case. Supreme Court again refused for a second time a Republican Party effort to block a three-day extension for counting absentee ballots in the state. But three conservative judges left the door open to hear arguments after the election. And in fact, Justice Alito, conservative justice, said that Pennsylvania officials agreed to segregate ballots that come in after 8 p.m. on Election Day and up to that new deadline of 5 p.m. on November 6th. So why does this matter? Well, Pennsylvania is a critical swing state. And if there is a razor-thin margin, these ballots could determine the entire election. And now the courts could theoretically determine if these ballots actually count or not. So again, thousands of ballots here that are potentially at stake. Now, these rulings are just the latest in what has been an election cycle rife with lawsuits. And all of this legal confusion, it likely leaves voters with a whole lot of confusion about their ballots as well. And what happens after they actually make their selection? So you've already cast your ballot, or at least you're planning to, and maybe you're wondering what actually happens to my ballot after it's cast. Well, turns out the answer is incredibly complicated, and it depends a lot on where you live and how you cast your ballot. And to help walk us through it, I decided to call an expert. Meet Carl Anderson III. Hello. Hi, Carl. It's Kristen Holmes. How are you? Hey, Kristen. How are you? I'm good. Is now still a good time? Yeah. Carl's the chair of the Board of Elections in a critical swing county of a critical swing state, Erie, Pennsylvania. And this man knows the life of a ballot in his county. There's a lot of, you know, hurry up and wait in in the life of a ballot. But then that, you know, that one ballot is, you know, is so important that it could change the world. We should be clear. Pennsylvania is perhaps the linchpin of this election. It was one of the bricks of the blue wall that fell in 2016, a wall Joe Biden is trying to rebuild. As for Erie, it went for Obama, and then it went for Trump. It's so key to this election, the candidates have made it a focus point of their strategies. 
You know, before the plague came in, I had it made. I wasn't coming to Erie. I, I mean, I have to be honest. There's no way I was coming. I didn't have to. And then we got hit with the plague, and I had to go back to work. Hello, Erie. May I please have your vote? <laughs> so, while it is just one county, Erie is an interesting place to start if you're looking at what could happen to a ballot in this crucial contest. Now, Pennsylvania is not a state with robust early voting. In fact, this year, for the first time ever, Pennsylvania expanded mail-in voting to all voters, including those who requested it due to the pandemic. And people took advantage of it. More than 1.5 million Pennsylvanians have already voted by mail. And in Erie, more than 55,000 ballots have already been requested. So here's how the process works. Voters in Erie can mail their absentee ballots in, put them in a ballot drop box, or bring them to the election office in person. Now, once your ballot is received by election officials, it has its signature checked, is scanned into the system, and follows a strict chain of custody, including waiting in a locked room for possibly weeks until what's called pre-canvassing begins. And by law, that can't start until 7 a.m. on the day of elections. Once the clock strikes 7 on November 3rd, officials begin sorting the mail-in ballots, still in their envelopes. One group removes the outer envelopes, while another takes off the secrecy envelopes and scans them, all while preserving the privacy of the vote. Then, that ballot goes back into the locked room again to wait. In Erie, these votes will likely not be counted until after the polls close at 8 p.m., that's when what's called canvassing begins. And in the past, Erie County has waited until all of its election day votes are in before it actually counts the votes received by mail. So that's if you cast your ballot by mail, but what if you vote in person? In Erie, after ballots are machine tabulated and the judge of elections closes the polls at each precinct, all of the results are loaded onto an encrypted thumb drive. Then the tabulation occurs. That happens in a room called the fishbowl, where only pre-cleared election officials are present. Here's how Carl Anderson described it. We do it in, what, in a special room where all of our computer equipment is, and you have to have special clearance to be able to get into that room, but we call it the fishbowl. And you know that's where all of the tabulations and computer equipment is. If all goes according to plan, that's it. The votes are cast and the election is decided. But what are the steps that happen behind the scenes that could delay the process? Well, in Erie, the first hiccup is matching the signatures or finding other errors in the mail-in ballots. If that signature doesn't match or there's some other problem, that's called a deficiency. And in Erie, either the ballot is invalid or if voter intent is clear or someone just made a mistake, election officials can reach out to the voter and give them another chance. Here's what the Pennsylvania Secretary of State told CNN. You know, of course, you don't want a voter to be disenfranchised for something that's no fault of their own. So every once in a while, the post office fails to have a postmark on there, or if something is smudged, you don't want the voter to be penalized for that. But if there's a problem with the ballot itself, whether it's by mail or cast in person, the computer systems in the fishbowl flag it to a committee of people authorized to do what's called adjudication. That committee is specially sworn in and charged with identifying voter intent. 
What did a voter mean by casting their ballot for three different Senate candidates? What if they make a mistake voting for the president, cross it out, and then fill in a different bubble? Well, the committee may come to an agreement on the voter's intention and resubmit through the machine with what they see as the result noted. But there's another option too. If the committee decides by majority vote that one mistake makes only one contest invalid, the rest of the ballot is rescanned and counted. But that's not the end of the life of a ballot. Once all the votes are counted and the results are tabulated, the paper ballots are kept in a locked room for 20 days. Now, that's in case of a legal challenge. And in Pennsylvania this year, that's a major concern. But it's not just immediate legal issues. Ballots in Erie are kept for two years in case of some kind of legal challenge, which, if it happens, according to Carl, would be pretty par for the course in the life of a ballot. In the life of a ballot, you know, because all of this is, you know, essentially organized chaos that eventually works itself out. So the life of a ballot ends as it begins in a dark room waiting to share its information with the world. Our thanks to Kristen Holmes for that deep dive into the journey of a ballot. And now, David, we're going to try to have you put all of this together for our listeners. What's your big takeaway about what we should expect on election night? Well, you know, like we've been saying, I think we should expect some extended vote counting. I don't think this is going to be for weeks on end. I don't think, you know, unless we're in a Florida 2000 situation where it's basically a tied race and there's lots of post-election litigation and there's a recount. That's a separate matter. Just as a matter of course here, I think that it is probably more likely that we don't have somebody at 270 electoral votes until more like Wednesday morning or maybe Wednesday afternoon or it could maybe extend to Thursday. Now, That's barring a big Biden blowout. If there's a big Biden blowout, then I would imagine, you know, he can get to 270. I don't say a Trump blowout because it doesn't look in the data that that's a possibility right now, but obviously that too. But I think that's my biggest takeaway, Nia, is just that sense of it just may take a little longer to count all these ballots. I'm also really interested, you know, this is happening as the virus is raging again. And I wonder, as we're seeing all of this early vote coming in right now and so many people voting before Election Day, is the Election Day electorate going to be much smaller than we initially thought simply because the virus is again so front and center and raging and people, I think, are getting hyper-concerned again in terms of being really cautious and safe? And will that have an impact on Election Day turnout? Because if that occurs, Nia, as you know, that's Trump's only path. He's got to drive up the Election Day turnout. So I just keep looking at the coronavirus news layered on top of the election news. And it seems to me as the virus is getting worse in a lot of places that Donald Trump needs big election day turnout, the virus may be a blockade to that. You know, listen, election night isn't going to be like we expect. Your timeline is probably more accurate Wednesday, Thursday. I think 
a lot of people are going to take heart that it, it probably won't be weeks and weeks and weeks. But listen, even if it is weeks and weeks and weeks, that's not a problem. There's nothing illegitimate about the votes that come in after Election Day, the votes that are counted after Election Day. Uh, we know this president is, as you said, trying to cast shade on those votes, but it is nothing that should be taken seriously from this president. It's nothing wrong with those votes, nothing illegitimate about this process, even if it takes longer. We heard Carl walk us through this process. I want to thank people like Carl, all of the people uh, who are making this you know, democracy work, counting a ballot the poll workers who are going to be working so hard in the days leading up to this election, in the days after. And just, I am so inspired by the voters that are going out there, standing in long lines. I've got a friend who had coronavirus. She went to go vote yesterday. She said it was very emotional for her. I've got another friend who's a student in Virginia. She's going to take a train to cast her ballot in person in Washington, D.C. She's never cast a ballot before. Uh, so she is going to take those steps to do that. This is very important to people's uh, lives, and it's really just inspiring uh, to see people take it so seriously uh, in a way that we necessarily hadn't seen before. So listen, that is, you know, sometimes I sort of end on a down note, but but today, and in just thinking about democracy in action and people participating, even through hardship, that's very inspiring uh, for me. Oh, totally inspiring. And as you said, you know, the joy of election night for me always is the surprises that occur because they occur every single election night. We learn a lot on election night. And I know, you know, me and I pretend to be so smart about this stuff and know exactly how it's all going to turn <laughs> out. But like it's it is in the surprise that I find the joy of election night. But to your point about the democracy, this is why. I have the job I have and why I'm in this business of covering national politics. Because to me, there is no greater moment than this quadrennial exercise when the American people hold a mirror up to itself and sort of say, who are we as a people? Where do we want to go in the future? That's what this moment every four years is about. And I just don't think there's a better story as a journalist to cover on any beat anywhere other than that, that moment of the American people taking stock of where we are as a nation, who we are as a people, how we sort ourselves through these times and where we point the country for the future. There's no better story than that to cover. David, you are exactly right. I'm so excited to be covering this, covering it with you, covering at CNN. That's it for this week's episode of Politically Sound. Thanks for listening. If you could take a few minutes to give us an excellent rating and an excellent review, we'd really appreciate that. And if you're listening for the first time, don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you get our latest episode each week delivered right to you. Politically Sound is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Will Cadigan and Mimi Mutesa. Haley Thomas is the senior producer. Raj Makija is the senior production manager. And Francisco Monroy is our engineer. David Toledo is the team's production assistant. And a special thanks to Abby Sharp for her help on this week's episode. The executive producer of CNN Audio is Megan Marcus. We'll see y'all next week. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. 
And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.